1995, I suffered an eye disability to my right eye, which really forced me to sell my practice. And so since 1995, I've converted over full-time to what I'm doing today. Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the uh, Dental Implant Podcast with uh, with me, Pav Kara. Um, and I am actually very honoured to have uh, a Paul Homley on as a guest today. So, Paul, hello everyone. Hi, <laughs> hi Paul. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just sitting here in close to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. It's 90 degrees outside. I'm glad to be in here with you. <laughs> Fantastic. So, Paul, you and I actually go back quite a few years. It's um, we do. In fact, it's I had communications coaching with you when I owned my own practice many, many years ago. And uh, I was actually recommended you by, uh, 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 by a friend of mine on Dentaltown, Michael Melkers. He goes by Miguel. And, sure, I know uh, Michael. Yes, he's, he's, you know, I need to get, I need to get Michael on this as well because he's a fantastic guy to listen to as well. Very, very knowledgeable. So I was having problems because I was quite young when I bought my practice and my, uh, my philosophy was if I do great quality dentistry, that patients will be lined up around the block waiting to have this type of work done. And I realized very, very, quickly that that's not actually the case and no, uh, it isn't. Yeah, no it's not at all and I was actually speaking to, uh, uh, to, to Miguel and I was saying to him that look I'm I'm trying to do the best work that I can that I don't really have you know I, I, I don't really have that much success rate you know my, my conversion rate wasn't particularly high and you know he sat down with me and, and as you know he's he's a very giving person he's very open with you know yes. however he can help you he will help you so he went through some very simple um communication skills with me and my mind was just blown and uh, uh <laughs> he, he actually said he said pav he said i've learned a lot of this from paul homily and that's when i started to research you i uh, uh you know i looked at your website i bought your books i bought your audio series and even from just your books and your audio series, Paul, it completely transformed how I uh, how I spoke to patients. And then obviously when I had coaching with you, it just took it to another level as well. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had quite a lot of extensive training with Pete Dawson and uh, you've been placing, you had been placing implants for quite a while and then you moved away from That's clinical right. dentistry and now you're, 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 you're coaching and you've, you're, you're the author of a number of different textbooks and you are also a, a professional speaker as well. So actually listening right. to your kind of yeah, yeah. It's, it's, all kind of, it's all kind of wrapped into one. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I, um, I I graduated from University of Illinois in downtown Chicago. Uh, Bob, I went immediately into the United States Navy. That was one of the best things I ever did was join the Navy, become a Navy yeah. dentist. It really got my hand speed, got my confidence going. Yeah. Uh, I, my first practice was in a small town in western North Carolina called Hildebrand. Uh, mm -hmm. I immediately rolled into Dawson Institute, the Pankey Institute. Um, 
uh, Carl Misch, Dr. Carl Misch, probably one of the renowned names in implant dentistry. He and I were buddies. He and I started implant dentistry about the same time. And Carl invited me to become a faculty member at mm-hmm. his uh, implant institute in Dearborn, Michigan. I taught implant reconstructive dentistry, the surgical and prosthetic aspects of it for about 10 years. But it's funny you should say about how you believe that, hey, people are just going to line up outside your door for uh, this treatment. I I discovered that the uh, students who are going through the institute, the institute's terrific, and it still is, Pop. A lot of the dentists were coming back to the second and third sessions saying uh, they're not doing much. And they've got the training, they bought all the instruments, they have all the overhead, right? They did all of that, but they couldn't connect with patients. Yes. You know, because because we, we're, we're dealing with hefty price tags here, cases now can easily exceed 10, 15, 20, 30, $40,000, right? Yeah. What is that in pounds? What's, what's, what's $30,000 in pounds? It's probably about 24,000 pounds, 23,000 pounds. So they're, they're, okay. They're, they're, Numbers, the big numbers. That's that's a big number, and yeah. so the more I looked at that, the more I realized that, um, and I wasn't having that issue. I, I had the opposite issue. We had yeah. to find time to put patients into practice. Well, uh, one thing led to another, and yeah, it's a good problem to have. I I started producing uh, audio programs. I wrote some simple textbooks, some uh, white papers, some study guides, and one thing led to another. And ultimately, um, I began to really focus on helping dentists build implant and reconstructive practices. Mm -hmm. I did that for about 15 years, in addition to practicing dentistry, in addition to running a commercial laboratory, in addition to raising a family. So I was like... Every direction was up. And in 1995, in 1995, I suffered an eye disability to my right eye, which really forced me to sell my practice. And so since 1995, I've converted over full time to what I'm doing today, which is mm-hmm. teaching online programs, helping dentists, helping dentists do more of the dentistry they love. That's what it really boils down to. Because, Pom, when when you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work so much. Sure, at the end of the day, you're going to be tired. You'll be physically tired. But you're not going to be stressed out or mad or crazy if you're doing the work that you really enjoy. So that's really where I'm focused now. And you and I, you and I crossed paths, I don't know, um, many years ago, probably 10 plus years ago. And over the years, uh, we kind of kept in communication you enrolled in the online program. You got the new version now. And uh, I thought, you know, it's time for us to reconnect. So this is a thrill doing your podcast. I, I look forward to helping your listeners. It's just, it's just speaking to an old friend. So it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. It is. <laughs> so, Paul, it's, um, what, what, you know, it's the, the verbal skills that you taught me, I still carry to this day because they are so powerful. Um, you know, I've had, um, I've had communications training with numerous different people. Sometimes that communications training sometimes felt forced. It sometimes felt uh, unethical. With yourself, it was very different. It, it was very, I, th- I think the best way to describe it, it was clean, easy, and patient-friendly. And yes. I, think, I think one of the things that I found as well is 
And I still see this a lot, particularly with younger dentists. And the only reason why I see it is because my my senses have been refined because of what you've taught me. But dentists are too quick to jump into recommendations without understanding what the what's actually truly important for the patient. You know, and we start to speak far too technical to the patients, and we know that. Yes. We know that way well, that we are giving them a, a better solution, um, and, uh, but the patients, you can you, sometimes you can almost see them starting to switch off. And I see on forums where dentists turn around and they say, you know what, I'm really frustrated with this patient because they're not listening. It's like, well, actually, you know what, you need to actually understand what's important to the patient first before you make any recommendations. So if you could um, just expand upon that a little bit about, about your thought process with it, with regards to how we should approach that so people can start to understand understand a bit better if that's okay yeah you're, you're exactly right the the historical and the traditional way of managing patients simply doesn't work well when we're talking about advanced implant cases so let's let's just back up a little bit in our careers you know we graduate dental school we, we might go through some early training but when we're young dentists, we're doing we're doing modest care cases, a couple of fillings, maybe a crown or two. And, you know, patients are generally young. They want to get in and they want to get out. They're not, you know, their dental conditions, Bob, don't have lifestyle altering uh, conditions. They're, the lifestyle is not altered by it. Dentistry is sort of, well, OK, it's time to get my teeth cleaned. Let's get in and get out. And a patient education style of, of the new patient experience works out pretty well. Patient comes in, checks in at the front desk. They go on back to get x-rays, maybe to get a scan of some photographs. They go to visit the hygienist. Hygienist cleans the teeth. Uh, after that, the dentist comes in, does an exam, um, you know, charts the teeth, puts together a treatment plan, refers the patient to a treatment coordinator. Treatment coordinator says, here's your care. Patient says, okay. And they schedule the appointment and away they go. And you know what? That that process probably is fine. But where that begins to break down is when those case fees get above ten thousand dollars. I'm going to speak in terms of dollars because, hey, I'm American. OK, I I'm going to apologize for that right now. OK, when those case fees get above ten thousand dollars. When the conditions have lifestyle altering properties, see, when you're dealing with partially and totally edentulous patients, there is lifestyle issues there. They can't eat. Their health suffers. They got intimacy issues. They don't like the way they speak. They don't like the way they look. And consequently, the, the risks are higher for these patients. Consequently, educating patients to conditions they already know about really doesn't do anything for them. The whole patient education model works best as a factor of influence for those modest care patients. Here's why, Pav, because a modest care patient, they don't even, half the time, they don't even know they have a problem, do they? They can have class two decay periodontal disease. They say, doc, I'm fine. You do an exam, you show them photos, you show them x-rays. And they go, oh, I didn't know that. So you've educated people. You've educated them into the issues. They're concerned about their issues, and they get them fixed. Now, let's take another example. Let's take a, a, a 60-year-old woman who's worn uh, partial dentures for most of her adult life. 
The abutment teeth are beginning to loosen. She doesn't want full dentures. She She's going through menopause. She's not confident in her appearance. Her diet is suffering. Her health is suffering. Her facial contours are changing. These are lifestyle hindering conditions. Now, that patient wants a much better, demands a much better, and deserves a much better new patient experience than simply sitting down with the dentist and having her having the dentist tell this patient everything that's wrong with her. I, I believe that, and, and hear me carefully, Pav, I don't want to be misunderstood here, but I think the whole idea of patient education is a factor of influence, is horribly overrated when it comes to the complex care patient. These patients already know they've got problems. They may not know the individual pocket depths or the mobility of the teeth, but they do know they're unhappy. And what these people need is not so much education, but they need to be understood. They need empathy. They, They need to feel that the dentist is authentically curious and concerned about their condition. And, and that piece right there is, is where so many dentists, especially dentists, Bob, that are new to implant dentistry, you, you said it perfectly at the beginning of this show. They're too quick to get in there and offer solutions. They don't even yeah. know what the patient's problems are. Yes. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does, absolutely. And um, I, I, I have, a, I have a, a very significant number of patients where when we're talking about replacing teeth, where, you know, I, I don't mention the term dental implant until very significantly later on in, in, in the consultation process. And the, the, the patient already knows that, you know, we've had the conversation with the patient because patients don't want dental implants. They want fixed teeth. So I find out what exactly it is that we want. And I talk to them about fixed teeth. You know, and towards the end, then I then I start to explain what the dental implant is. And I think something else that that uh, that I that I still remember from 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 your audio series, Paul, is that, uh, and I I completely one hundred percent agree with you. I, I I think the term what what was the term you used? You said the the the, the, the whoever came up with the term dental IQ needs to be shot or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I do I do say things like that. Yeah, low patient dental IQ. What is that about? Because, and I remember the example that you gave. This, you know, Paul, I've not listened to that, to that audio series for years, but this is how it just stuck with me is that raising the dental IQ doesn't really do much. Okay. And to give you another example is that we all know what we should be doing in terms of fitness, health, blood pressure, body weight composition, etc. We all know that. And still, so many of us don't follow, don't follow those guidelines. And so, relaying that to dental IQ just because you're making them aware of the problem doesn't necessarily mean that they want to have treatment done and it's similar as well it's uh, you know it's it's we need to understand you know firstly is the patient aware they have a problem and secondly are they concerned about the problem because we all have those patients where I've got the problem I'm not bothered about it you know and how you approach the care for that patient is different to how you approach the care for a patient who is bothered about it. So if you wouldn't mind just expanding on that slightly as well for us, that, you know, that would be, that'd be very much appreciated. Yeah. The, 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 what you're bringing up is the distinction between recommending care for concerned conditions 
versus unconcerned conditions. Let me step back on this. The, the real, the heart of my work is all about presenting complete care to all adult patients who have been through a complete exam. I'm not talking about patients that simply come in for an emergency appointment and you never see them again. But I'm talking about the adult patient that comes in, that goes through a complete exam. We have, we have an ethical and medical legal responsibility of revealing to that patient all of their conditions, the consequences of those conditions if it's left untreated, and then recommend care for those conditions. And yet, Bob, this, you'll find this interesting. I've lectured to thousands of dentists over the last 25 years. And in, in, my, in my PowerPoint program, I can do anonymous polling. I can ask my audience's questions, and they can answer it with their smartphones. So it's anonymous. I ask them, how many of you are reluctant to offer complete care to patients out of fear of losing them to sticker shock, right? Mm -hmm. And over 70%, 70% of the dentist, Bob, that I've surveyed, I'm talking about 20 years of surveys now, 70% on the average of 70% of dentists say they're reluctant to offer care. And the leading reason is because they don't want to blow patients out of the water. They don't want to lose the patient. In other words, they don't know how to talk to patients about conditions patients aren't concerned about. It's relatively easy to talk to patients about conditions they're concerned about. That isn't where the upset occurs. The upset occurs where for conditions the patients are not concerned. So let me take you through a scenario here. Bob, let's say you're my patient. Okay, yep. you're my patient and you come into me and you say, well, doc, I don't like the appearance of these front teeth. OK, and so then we talk a little bit. We talk a little bit more. Anything else going on? Well, it's been a while since I've been to the dentist. Um, OK, um, you know, and, and so we'll have a little bit of a cordial conversation and I'll get more into detail. But I want to get to the bigger point of concern versus unconcerned conditions. Now, during the exam, I look at your front teeth and sure enough, They've got old composites. They're discolored composites. Probably would be veneers across the front. But I also noticed that you're missing your back teeth. You're missing your first molar and your second bicuspids, bilaterally, upper and lower, right? You've lost a lot of back teeth. And you know what happens with patients when they don't have their back teeth. They end up chewing more on their front teeth. And this is your problem. So now I do my exam. I do all the diagnostics. And during the exam, when as, as I'm examining you, I'll look at some conditions. For example, I always start the conversation, the post-exam discussion, with conditions the patient is concerned about. I'd say something like, uh, oh, Pav, you know, I know you're concerned about the front teeth. You know, um, when I see patients like you that have got fillings like this, typically, um, without treatment, these fillings will continue to darken. And I know that's the big reason why you're in here. And you would agree to that. You see, that's called empathy. That's called understanding. So start with the patient's interest, not what you're interested in. And then I'd get to the back teeth. I'd say, Pav, um, I'm sure you're aware that you're missing back teeth. You know, patients who are missing back teeth end up chewing on more on their front teeth and oftentimes destroy their appearance. Does something like that concern you? Okay. You see, I'm not telling you, Bob, you should replace your back teeth. I'm yeah. asking you if you're concerned about 
the possible consequences of not replacing your back teeth. So let's say you say, well, yeah, I didn't know that. Sure, I'm interested. So now when I present treatment, I present treatment from the standpoint, Pav, I know you're interested in uh, better appearance in your front teeth, and I would recommend, and then I would make my recommendations. Then I would say, I also know that you're interested in replacing back teeth. The way we would do that would be like this. But now let's take the situation that we were describing earlier about during the exam, I say, Bob, I know you're aware that you're missing back teeth. You know, patients with missing back teeth typically find that they end up wearing out their front teeth because of that. Is that a concern for you? And you say, well, uh, I don't know. You know, uh, you know, I got this thing coming up and I really need to look better. And I don't know if it's in my budget and and you're giving me a lot of pushback. And uh, and, and then ultimately is, yeah, doc, but I need to think about it. All I would say is I understand. Now let's present treatment. Now I'm going to present treatment for a condition that you're not concerned about. Listen to how I do it. I'd start like this. I'd say, Pav. Um, let's start with what I know you're concerned about. That's the appearance of your front teeth. Let me make this recommendation that we remove that, the dark fillings and remove that dark enamel and we'll replace it with a new enamel-like material. Let me show you what you'll look like when we're all done. And then I use uh, digital software or photography or something to demonstrate an outcome similar to yours. On other patients that I've done, I'd probably tell you a little story about the patient in the photo, that kind of thing. Then I'd say, Bob, um, another recommendation I'm going to make is about something that I know that you're not concerned about, and that's the missing back teeth. And even though you're not concerned, Bob, I want you to know that I am. And when you're ready, my recommendation would be to place dental implants, and then I would talk about dental implants. Notice that I still recommended complete care to you, didn't I? Yeah. I still recommended complete care. But, Pop, when I said to you, I know you're not concerned, but I want you to know that I am. And when you're ready, did you feel any sales pressure for me? Did you feel like I was pushing you at all? No, at all. And, the, you know, Paul, this, this is one of the things that, as you were explaining, I was actually going to come back to, is some of the other te- uh, some of the other communication courses that I've gone to, is what they do is they get you – they, they, they do a number of things. Firstly, they, they, do act, they do what's called active listening, where you listen to a little bit of what the patient says, then you parrot, repeat it back to them. Now, sure. if, somebody, if somebody were to try that on me, because I'm aware of communications type skills, it comes across actually quite patronizing. And I think the other thing that some courses do is they constantly try to find out what the barrier is to, to, to the patient. Uh, uh, wanting treatment and then you try to break down that barrier but that then becomes high pressure sales whereas what you're discussing at the moment is you're discussing a finding out what what the patient is interested in and what the patient's concerned about but secondly laying the the pathway open for the patient to accept as much treatment as they want but understanding what the treatment recommendation is as well so what that does is it opens up the gate for treatment with zero pressure and i hope that everybody who's listening to this can see the difference between the two that the way that paul was explaining it is there is no pressure there and it's genuinely listening to the patient and what they want to achieve so i do completely agree with you paul is you know when you were discussing that there was 
there was I felt completely comfortable. I didn't feel like oh you know I'm under I'm under pressure. There was there was no there was no sales involved in that. So yes, no I, sales. I, you, you, you know, Pav, I, I I have sat through those same sales seminars uh, here in the states. You know, you get you get some person that's you know been selling patio furniture or cars. And they decide they're going to teach dentists how to sell dentistry. They haven't sold 10 cents worth of dentistry. Now they're telling us how to do it. Okay. And when I was young, when I was in practice, I'd go to these seminars, how to overcome patients' objections. Right. And a patient would say, well, boy, $1,000 for a crown. Boy, that's pretty expensive. And we were taught to say, well, don't think of it as an expense. Consider it an investment. Right. Or they would say, boy, that's a lot of money. I said, well, you know, if you don't go ahead with treatment, it's only going to be more expensive in the future. If you'd like to save some money, doesn't it make sense for you to go ahead with treatment now? And let me tell you how I feel about it. I hate everything about it. Once, you know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The most popular profession worldwide are teachers. The second most popular profession are salespeople. So chances are your patient, Pop, is a salesperson, used to be a salesperson, is married to a salesperson, or best friend's a salesperson. And when someone is aware of sales tactics or communication tactics like you are, Pop, and when they hear one being used on them, pow, you instantly lose credibility. Instantly. And you're just... You're just toast. So, you know, getting back to concern versus unconcerned conditions, when you can present care for concerned and unconcerned conditions, that combination constitutes complete dentistry. Complete dentistry is two parts, concerned and unconcerned. Mm -hmm. And it's this unconcerned part that people get angry about and leave the practice. Not this part, but this part. So what you do is, first of all, you have to learn They're not concerned about it. Many dentists don't do that. They just make they're going to educate the patient into being concerned about it. That doesn't work. Not at the twenty thousand or thirty thousand dollar level. It might work at the hundred dollar level, but not at the thirty thousand dollar level. So you simply ask, does that concern you? And if they say, well, I don't know, this or that, this or that. Don't argue. Don't educate. Don't try to overcome. Just Acknowledge it. Say, I understand. Now, when you go into treatment presentation, you see, it, it's not it's not our responsibility, Pav, for them to accept care. It's our responsibility to offer it. Yes. But offer it in such a way that even though patients may not be ready, they'll never forget how well you offered it. And when they become ready, they'll return to you. How many patients, Pav, have... How many patients of yours have come back maybe a year after you saw them that you did an exam, you presented care, it's a big case, they go, I want to go home and think about it, and then you never see them again. A year later, they walk in, waving the treatment plan, saying, I'm ready. How often does that happen to you? It happens a lot. It It happens a lot, of course. Yeah, particularly with the bigger cases. You know, I think... uh, um, a lot of a lot of patients, they, you know, they want they want to have the treatment done. They're not ready for That's whatever right. reason. It may be that it may be that their finances aren't right. They haven't got a problem with the overall fee. Rather, it's just 
you know, I just can't afford to have it done now. And as you said, they'll, they'll walk back in three, six, 12 months later saying, right, I want to start right. right now. So again, one of the, one of the most powerful things that you taught me was really starting to understand, well, A, find out what the patient is aware of, because there are so many things out there that the patients are not aware of. And a, a big example of this is, you know, and every, every dentist out there will be able to relate to this, is perio. The number of patients who come into our practice where they have severe issues, but they're not in any pain. They're not even aware of it. And all of a sudden, you have a new patient come into the practice and you're turning around and saying to them, you know, firstly, we we need to do full mouth debridement. Then we're going to review you after three months time. If in three months time it's not resolved, we're possibly going to look at doing surgery. And the whole time the patient sat there going, hang on, surgery? I don't have any problems. And there are ways of, 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 of questioning patients to, so, that, so that you're bringing their awareness to the front uh, without putting them under pressure. And uh, I think that is very, very powerful. So, yes, I, I do agree with 100% with what you're saying is we need to understand what the patients are aware of. Then we need to figure out whether they're or not they're concerned about it. And then, as you, as you express, we have to present holistic care. And what the patient then decides is the patient's decision and responsibility. And I see a lot That's of dentists. Right. I see a lot of dentists taking that responsibility onto themselves. I'm just like, hang on, yeah. this is the patient's issues. It is their problems. As long as you've done your part, you've done the best that you can. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about perio because that's something that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about and let's go back to your case, okay? You're concerned about your front teeth. That's what you said you're concerned about. You're you're missing some back teeth, but also you've got some perio creeping around your teeth. Okay, and uh, you're not aware of it. You're not aware of it. And so the way I would approach perio would be like this: when I recommend your periodontal treatment, I know that's not your chief concern. I mean, how many patients come into your practice, Pav, where perio is their chief concern? Not many. Not, Not many. many. Unless yeah. you're a periodontist, most general dentists, patients are coming in with toothaches or aesthetic issues or replacing teeth or they need fillings. And perio is kind of like a necessary evil in patients' minds. It really is. And I'm not trying to diminish the importance of periodontal treatment. I'm just saying it's not on the top of the patient's list of things. Now, a good way of making perio um, more uh, to, to influence patients better with perio is to link the benefits of perio not to pocket reduction, decrease oroflora, um, uh, diminish probability of systemic disease, but rather link it to what the patient is concerned about. And in your case, it'd be the front teeth. So for me to recommend perio would sound like um, and during treatment presentation, I would say something along the lines of, you know, Pav, one of the things that I talked to you about during the exam is that gum infection in your mouth. And you mentioned that you weren't aware of it and you're not so sure whether you're concerned about it or not. I want you to know that I'm concerned and I, I want to tell you why. I, I don't want the gum infection to spread to the front teeth and ruin their appearance. And that can happen. Uh, Gum disease spreads from tooth to tooth in the mouth. And we're gonna do a real good job for you 
restoring your front teeth. I don't want that perio to ruin what we're doing. When you're ready for the perio, you must let us know. As a matter of fact, sooner than better. Does that make sense, parent? So I link it to what the patient is concerned about, right? And and that's just a matter of knowing what they're concerned about. If if they're um, not if they're not concerned about the back teeth, I can do the same thing. You know, um, have uh, patients with back teeth chew more on their front teeth. We're going to do a good job restoring your front teeth, and replacing your back teeth will help preserve the appearance, right? Right. So it's those types of things. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's a very it, it's a very subtle art form, but it, it can be learned. And it's it's one of those uh, it's, it, it, I refer to it as, as soft skills. So the hard skills are the, are the actual physical doing. That's the placement of the implants. That's the actual surgical. That's the endo, whatever it is, that whatever it is that dentists are doing. But the most profound effect that that anybody will have is when they start to hone their soft communication skills, because then you can really start to help patients on a level where uh, where you wouldn't have been able to help them before. And um, and here's the other thing as well, Paul is as you said, it's when you make these treatment recommendations, when you try to figure out what the, what, what the patients are bothered about, the number of patients that I see who had teeth missing at the back for, for years, nobody's actually ever asked them whether they actually want them replaced. Or when you start to open up these discussions, the patient's are like, I didn't even know that that was possible. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so you've been walking around for five, ten years without these teeth toward the back. You're struggling to eat. And nobody's ever asked you if you want to fix teeth. So, yeah, the soft skills are incredibly important, incredibly important. You know, in, in the States, we have uh, – oh, I would show it to you, but it's in the other room. We have a, a, a big, thick magazine that comes uh, like once a quarter – it's called Dental Product Shopper. Maybe you get yep. that there in the UK too. And yeah, the dental product, it, it's, it's probably close to 90 pages. And it's a beautiful magazine. And, and this morning I was eating breakfast. I was flipping through the pages. And all of the ads and articles, 99% of all the ads and articles are about the hard skills. Oh, here's yeah. a new scanner. Here's a new impression material. Here's a new matrix band. Here's a new uh, operatory light. Here's a new handpiece. Here's a new this. Here's a new that. And there is almost little or no mention about services and products that will actually help dentists um, influence patients to accept all of yes. this stuff. You know, yeah. the soft skills, as you related to it, simply... They're not sexy enough for dentists to be interested in it. I, you know, I just got off the phone a few hours ago with a dentist that's doing 40 to 50 implant pay, implants a month. And yeah. I asked him to describe his new patient process. And it has very little to do with patient education. It's almost all about the relationships they have with patients. And, and, so, and so what is a relationship? A relationship really boils down to what are the emotional outcomes that patients experience? You know, for example, Pav, um, I'll ask dentists, I'll say, tell me about your new patient experience. And they go, well, um, we do uh, exams, photos and scans. Uh, then the uh, hygienic season cleans the teeth. I come in, 
Uh, I bless the case, treatment plan it, give it to my uh, treatment coordinator, and away we go. And yeah. there, there's a word that describes that new patient experience. Here's the word. It's called ordinary. Yes. It's an ordinary experience. And the truth of the matter is, is that technology, especially in the last 10 years, Pav, has kind of leveled the playing field um, among dentists. You, you see, it used to be only very senior practitioners and specialists would could do all on four restorations, multi-unit restorations, right? But now... Yeah. General dentists, general dentists are doing all on four. General dentists yeah. are doing full mouth reconstructions. Why? Because of digital technology, improvements in uh, dental materials and bonding materials, better porcelains, better diagnostic materials. So it, it, what it boils down to, you're no longer special because you do implants, ortho, and um, you know uh, complex restorative care. A lot of people are doing that. And the differentiator... The differentiator among dentists used to be their technical range. That's yeah. that's beginning to go away because everybody yeah. does cosmetic dentistry. Everybody does implants. Everybody's doing aligned orthodontics. And the yeah. differentiator is those moments mm -hmm. that 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 patients experience with you that give them the feeling they'll be well cared for. I mean, yes. you think about it. The mo one of the most important things that patients need to experience in the new patient process is that it needs to be a likable experience. Now, that, that may seem like common sense, yeah. but think about it. What's likable about the new patient experience? Are scans yeah. and study models likable? Are x-rays likable? How about this one, Pop? Is perioprobing likable? <laughs> no, they're not. The most cool. likable thing about the new patient experience is the relationship the patient builds with the dentist and the team members. And yet, you ask most dentists, what's the first thing you do in your new patient procedures? Say, well, we take diagnostics, photographs, and scans. You see, they're, they're missing, they're missing the opportunity to make a surprisingly likable event out of yes. the new patient procedure. Big, yeah. big difference. And once 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 you connect with a patient, it becomes much easier to to, to understand what their goals are. I think um, what before before I started um, coaching with yourself, Paul, is I remember I was uh, I, I had a, a an offer on. Uh, I think I was doing six month smiles at the time, and uh, I had uh, I, I remember. Google searching about my own about my own practice, and I, I I got flagged up on a forum, and this young lady had been in to see me, and she'd gone back onto this forum, and she said, "Don't bother going there. The only thing that this guy is interested in is is talking about how good he is and shoving his certificates down your throat." So you know, I came I, I came to the realization, you know, what? patients do not care about. Uh, about your technical skills because they have this presumption that you're capable of doing it what patients are bothered about is how you make them feel when uh, when when they're around you you know if you can make them feel relaxed and comfortable and listened to all of a sudden you're uh, you you're, you you've got your foot in the door then you can really start helping patients that that that's the first step right there it's called yeah. likability empathy advocacy 
that's the trick right there. There's no yeah. question about it. So, uh, Paul, obviously, I've, I've alluded to this uh, a, a few a few moments, uh, a few times already, and um, you know, I'm just I'm just conscious that you know we could talk literally talk about this for hours because <laughs> I know you're oh, like I know. You, you I have know. This how long we've been, how long have we been talking here? I I, I haven't not been keeping track of the time. Forty minutes already. So. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. But what I think I we should to, wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was just about to say, Paul. Is I, th- I think if we could just spend a few minutes, and if okay. you, if you wouldn't mind, um, just talking a little bit about the books and the audio series that you have, and and your website, and kind of like the the services that you offer, because I'm sure that those listening now, it, they'll have already been like, well, actually, you know what this makes sense. So where people want to learn more, firstly, I can highly recommend. And in fact, I would recommend anybody who's doing dentistry should buy Paul's books and read them because it will change the way that you do it Buy his audio series. And I'm not getting any, any kickbacks or anything along those lines. Paul and I are friends and he's been looking after me for a number of years. But what I'm trying to express the way that Paul teaches communication is a very natural process, as you've already heard. So, Paul, if you could just spend a few minutes just uh, uh, explaining to us about the, 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 the different books and audio series, etc., that you have. And for anybody who's interested, I will also be posting links to Paul's website in the uh, podcast description as well. So we, we will have oh, outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks for that, Pav. You know, um, I've written five books on the the whole process of communication. Three of the books are specific to dental. Two of the books are about communication in general. And I would say to your listeners, Pav, for those who are interested in learning how to do more of the dentistry they enjoy, uh, experiencing more treatment acceptance, having less stress, I, I would recommend enrolling in the online program called Making It Easy for Patients to Say Yes. You've been through that program, Bob. And Making It Easy for Patients to Say Yes, the online program, it's very complete. I've got videos. I've got staff training tools. Um, It's it's really a turnkey program. You can access it on my website. It's my name, www.paulhomily.com. Look under Case Acceptance Training the online program, making it easy for patients to say yes. And I would say, Pav, start there. Once you're complete with that, then you're kind of, you'll be at another level of understanding. Mm -hmm. That's when I I believe my book by the same name, making it easy for patients to say yes, would Mm -hmm. make more sense for you. But I would start with the online program. Um, and 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 who knows, Pop? You know when this when this virus thing goes away, they won't let us Americans in Europe yet, right? <laughs> we're 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 quarantined. But once this virus virus threat goes away, uh, chances are pretty good. I'll make the trip across the pond. Uh, I've been threatening to visit you for many many years. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll make the trip across, and and maybe you and I can do some stuff together. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I think um, as well, Paul, I'd absolutely love for you to see what we're doing at Evo Dental as well. Um, that's the clinic where we just do full arch treatment. And the workflow, right. that, we have, the workflow that we have there is just, is just, it's just incredible. Um, and we're literally right across the road from Heathrow. So it'd be very easy. All right, nice. It'd be easy. It would be easy. 
Yes. Outstanding, so. Pop. Hey, I've, I've enjoyed this. It's, it's good to talk to you again. I love yeah. your energy. And now that I've got all your links to your podcast, I'll follow. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of be looking behind your back to see the other cool yeah. things that you're doing here. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I can't wait for you to come over, Paul. You know, I, I know some great restaurants will go out. It's just, you know, fingers crossed, just a few more months to get past this. Uh, uh, to be, to That's get right. Past the, the, the bulk of the of the virus, and, and hopefully, I'll be I'll be seeing you very soon. But uh, thank you right, very Bob. much for your time today, Paul. It's been very much appreciated, and uh, it's as as always, it, it's a pleasure. I've I've learned more from you again, and uh, you're absolutely right. I've I've enrolled onto the latest version of making it easy to say uh, for patients to say yes, and I'm I'm going through that at the moment as well. It's just it's a fantastic resource, and I would recommend it to to anybody, whether they're doing implants or general dentistry. I think. That's it's, right. It's fantastic for communication skills. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, my friend. Hope to see you Perfect. soon. Bye now. Thanks, Paul. Okay. Take care.